0: It's Emily here, and today I want to invite you to make sure to check out Robin Hood Integrative Health. If you are a resident of the Winston-Salem, North Carolina area, and you're looking for a doctor who treats you differently, looks deeper into the issues that you're having, and seeks to hear you as a person and really help to get you better, then I can't recommend Robin Hood Integrative Health, where Dr. Wiggy practices enough Make sure that you go to their website and see how you can benefit from their services today. And did you know that they even take some insurances, which basically never happens in integrative medicine. So make sure to check them out and enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Healthy Discourse. It's Emily here with Dr. Wiggy. He's been so busy lately. Not treating COVID this time.
1: Yeah. has been busy. <laughs>
0: yeah. But he's been so busy on um, updates that they're practice and expanding and hiring, training, training, all kinds of important things. So, And we've been traveling a lot too Yeah, on top of it. So he didn't go away. He just has been busy. So we're glad to have him back. And we've had a few people request to talk about this new uh, COVID booster called bivalent bivalent Mm -hmm. omicron booster that's like a super fancy name but and i think most people have questions about it because what they want to understand is why this is even is this even necessary why do we keep having boosters if the vaccines aren't working and so forth and also want to touch on the fact that i think a lot of people are saying that and it's not necessarily impactful to their lives, but I'm going to give you a specific example of how this is still very relevant and prevalent when it comes to mandates and what that means. So Hmm. anyway, let's go ahead and dive in. Tell us about what this booster is and your thoughts on its necessity.
1: Sure. We can break that up into two questions. Yes. So so this, this new... Uh, this new shot is yeah it's called a bivalent uh, booster basically, and it, there's two of them available. So there's Pfizer, Pfizer and Moderna both have these uh, these new and improved well new new uh, boosters at least, and uh, the goal of these new injections is to cover the most recent strain of Omicron or of COVID which is which is Omicron. And it's supposed to cover b a four and uh, particularly b a five the reason why they are coming up with these new this new product is because the old one is obsolete mm-hmm. uh, it's not covering it doesn't really provide any protection at this point, and it really doesn't really doesn't help much so then now they're trying to uh, catch up with how quickly this virus has been mutating, and so now they have one more specifically designed for uh, for omicron. Uh, particularly. Now, it is kind of interesting because, you know, part of the reason why they wanted this new Omicron booster was because the old one was, again, not really working anymore. But it's called bivalent for a reason because bivalent means two strains. And so, it's covering the original strain still, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense So, hold on
0: though. The original strain as of, like, January of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. And it's now, what is it? September of 2022.
1: Yeah, so it's still covering that original mm-hmm. original strain. Um, and part of that is, that the thought is, people are still trying to get boosted from the, that original strain. So this is going to kind of kill two birds with one stone, give them a booster of the original strain, and then give them a new exposure to this right. Omicron variant.
0: Right, but there's no correct me if I'm wrong, there's no circulation of the original variant from two years and eight months ago.
1: No, there's not. So I think their thought process is, and I'm not saying this is the right thought process, mm-hmm. but or but it is their thought process, is that in a lot of ways, I think they are, they are thinking the more the better. If we can get more coverage for more strains, then we're going to have more immunity and more protection. And again, unfortunately, I don't think that necessarily pans out the way that they want it to
0: well from my zero days of medical school it seems like common sense to me that if a strain is not still circulating that it doesn't make any sense to continue vaccinating people or shooting people giving people shots when we know that the vaccines haven't been effective in prevention.
1: Yeah.
0: There's still debate, I suppose, about lessening symptoms, but I think most recent data shows that with Omicron, the people that have been vaccinated and even more so boosted mm-hmm. seem to have worse symptoms. And there's th- then those that have natural immunity yeah. or have uh or, or are not vaccinated, and I know there's lots of Pretty, there's lots of um, ideas around that. That oh well, this is their first time getting it, or that's one thing. And then your symptoms are usually are usually more severe. Yeah. That's a big one, I know.
1: Well, there's there's debate about the, yeah the effectiveness of the original vaccines for for the variants, you know, especially Omicron. I think that the most recent data really suggests that at 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 best, it just doesn't do much of anything Mm -hmm. Um, at worst it actually may increase chances of catching the virus and then uh, and possibility of having more severe disease I think there is that possibility and that's why I think that they're coming up with the this booster is because we're seeing that the original original shots aren't providing protection like I said, in worst case scenario may actually be making things worse
0: sure and and let's not forget to mention that we also know that the more mRNA someone receives in these, in these shots, the more likely that they will have a vaccine injury.
1: Yeah, so the, there does appear to be a cumulative effect on, on spike protein exposure. Mm-hmm. And that's spike protein exposure from anything. So the more times you get COVID, that actually is, is problematic. And then I do believe the more exposures you get from the injections also does increase your spike protein exposure which has been shown to potentially increase the risk for adverse events and serious adverse events. So it is there does appear, appear to be some accumulation from that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the thing that, that I find interesting about this is that we're still so stuck on the toxic spike protein.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
1: what I don't really understand. Because if we can develop an mRNA that can encode for pretty much any part of the virus, why aren't we spreading it out to cover multiple parts of the virus that we get like we get with natural immunity? Mm-hmm. So with natural immunity, we get antibodies to the spike protein, to the nucleocapsid, to the internal workings of, this, of the virus. So we have really broad spectrum antibodies uh, when we get natural immunity. Mm-hmm. But this, again, this this continued trial of just going after the spike protein doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. I'm sure there's a reason behind it, but it's still just using such a small isolated target when we should be trying to get more broad spectrum coverage because that's the problem with this focus on such, getting such a small uh, particle of the spike protein is that it, it, can, it mutates rapidly. So we're seeing that's why the original, original uh, vaccines don't really seem to provide a lot of protection for the Omicron variant. Um, what we're gonna see is this again is gonna be obsolete before too long because right. then this is going, the spike protein is going to mutate again, and then we're going to have a new booster for a new variant. And so that's part of it. Is what what is our goal? Mm-hmm. Are we just going to keep chasing this forever? Which may be the goal.
0: Well, but 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 my argument would be why? What are what? Like you said, what's the end goal? And this this strategy has been a huge fail mm. because we don't have effective shots and they're also not safe by most um, by the research that we've seen and even from Pfizer's own data as it comes out little by little by little Mm -hmm. and they slowly release their however many thousands of pages Um, for example one of the recent data dumps that in this slow process which of course we should all be asking questions about that, why don't we have all the data um, seeing the abhorrent events that were happening with pregnant women and that all got shoved under the rug. And we're still telling every pregnant woman that she needs to get this vaccine or her baby and, and she is at risk. And there are very, very few OBGYNs that are telling yeah. people differently. So sorry, that was a complete side note. But if we know the strategy isn't working, it, it, this is the, it's to me, this is the definition of insanity. We're doing the sure. same thing over and over, and going to expect a different result. And I don't know what the end game is, or if there's just an assumption now that this is what people want, mm-hmm. and we're just going to keep giving them what they want.
1: Sure. Well, I think some, I think multiple people, lots of people do want this. Yeah. They want to continue to feel like this is something that they can control. Mm-hmm. If I can, if I can stay up to date and get all the boosters and get all the new new ones then mm-hmm. then i'm going to be doing my part, and i'm going to be protecting myself uh, so the concept I can understand where people you know have that I- that idea it is just the question of what is our what is the end point because yeah. viruses virus you know they mutate that's what viruses do they mutate rapidly and yeah. some more more quickly than others, and we've seen so many different variants you know in the past couple years is that it's going to continue to, to mutate. Mm-hmm. So you won't, you know, with any, any injection that we provide, there won't be long-term protection because the virus will just mutate to something else. Now, will we get some overlap with um, some other variants? Maybe. And we might get some added protection. So it's, it's possible. But again, I think the concept of just trying to do such focused protection and focused uh, immune priming it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense and the the other truth of the matter is too is that we can't ignore natural immunity so you know through delta especially and now through omicron 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 really is pretty uh contagious
0: mm-hmm. it's
1: pretty easy to spread yeah and so now we're you know we're probably pushing a, a large percentage of the population has already had the virus yeah. and those those have been people that have uh, been not had the vaccine, and those that have have that have that have had it. Right. We are pro- approaching pretty high numbers for that. You know, the classical term of herd immunity. Herd immunity was never going to happen with the vaccine. That that was that was one of the misconceptions that I think was really pushed hard. Is that you're going to get nat- you're going to get herd immunity with natural recovery mm-hmm. after the virus, and we're probably at that point. We're probably getting really pretty close. And so, um, and this is where the benefits may get somewhat confused is that if you've had COVID before and then you get it again, the symptoms are are milder. Right. Almost always. So we've seen lots of people in the office that have had it multiple times. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, so getting it one time doesn't mean you're not going to get it again. Right. That's another thing that that that's definitely not true. You can get it multiple times. But if you get it multiple times, each subsequent time, you know, I think we've had people getting it three times now each subsequent time is milder and so where there is protection and and it's very consistent protection with recovery Mm -hmm. after it and so if we're trying to reach herd immunity the idea of enough people have had the infection we're probably getting pretty close
0: yeah now that seems well but arguably that is when it will mutate and we're gonna get it again but like you said it's gonna be less and less severe and and as I think we've talked about from the beginning, eventually this will just become a stuffy nose or something similar to that where you don't even really know that you have Mm -hmm. it. You feel tired and snotty for a few days and it's over. Yeah, we're seeing that for a lot of people. We're seeing that that. already, and especially in kids. I think that's really happening a lot. Um, Okay, so let's talk about the the plethora of research that Mm. went into this because... In case you didn't know, there were no human trials at all on this new booster. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so um, I know you're being sarcastic, but the, uh, we should really nail down on the details how much research really was done on this. Yeah. Because it, it really is somewhat, I don't know, surprising is the right word, or you kind of have to shake your head a little bit when you yeah. read the data on this. So. As far as I'm aware, and I can't remember if this is the Pfizer or the Moderna study. I think this—I think it's the Pfizer study, but their study to see if this booster was going to be helpful uh, was done on eight mice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no human data, no no additional safety data on adding this bivalent booster in. There's really nothing else to go off of.
0: Right, and so here's one thing: like, if if I let's pretend that Emily was a scientist for a day, my biggest concern about again, more mRNA would be to find out, okay, well, what if people have already had two boosters? Yep. And this is going to be the third booster. Or what if they've had one booster? Or what if they've had no boosters, but they want to get this one? We don't know the difference with how it's going to affect them, how it's going to affect um, adverse reactions, how it's going to affect the effectiveness. Yeah. Is it going to even work in humans? Is it not? Essentially... Every arm that this goes in is a stage one clinical trial when it comes out to humans. Am I wrong?
1: No, because you're right. Every time that we do a booster, it resets the clock. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we had some safety data on two boosters, uh, two shots.
0: Limited. Um, right, Very limited. limited. But
1: even even that, that data that we have available, you know, especially take uh, Moderna, for example, we know pretty clearly now that the sec- after the second shot the rate of myocarditis really spikes mm-hmm. so it's not it's not a linear uh, increase it's a exponential increase as right. far as the numbers go there's not a whole lot after the first shot but after the second shot there's a there's a lot of cases actually
0: and and the third one is not quite as much but it's still more than the first one
1: right and so now we're adding in again a fourth one and this bivalent again it's a it's a completely i mean it's not com- ex- completely different but you're doing two strains in one shot. Mm-hmm. So we're still getting the priming from the original strain, which is where we're seeing a lot of the a lot of the adverse events from the cumulative data on, on the spike protein. And then we're, in some ways, complicating it by adding in another strain, even though it's pretty similar structure, but it is different mm-hmm. uh, with the spike protein. We don't know if that combining the two, bivalent uh, vaccines, if that causes more issues or not. Right, And so you're right. So we don't, we don't have the, the studies on this. And that's why, again, I can't find the right word to use, but it's, it's been funny in some ways that one group of experts, were always saying, you know, follow the science. Mm-hmm. And if we're following the science, then we're, we're, we're walking around blind. Because, again, this study is so limited as far as, especially, again, from a safety data standpoint, we have, we have really no idea that there's really not science to follow yeah. in this case. So,
0: Well, my thought on that is why? Well, because every single, there has, there's been no accountability to date, and there's not going to be accountability um, hmm. with an emergency use authorization and calling it a vaccine both of those things give there there's there's the there is protection it is literally on the person who takes the shot all the liability falls on you it's not Mm -hmm. anybody else right and most people i don't think fully understand that still and they've gotten away with less and less and less data even coming down to the two two to five year olds when we did our podcast on that um fewer and fewer and fewer participants People drop out, there's no, there's nothing on that, and they still approve it. So yeah. they probably were like, well, let's just try to do it on mice and see if we can just not spend the money to try yeah. this on humans. And guess what? It worked. But if there's no accountability and we're not holding them to a higher standard, then why, I mean, it behooves them to save all the money, save all the time. Sure. And let's just get the government to order millions of doses.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it is a good way to make money. <laughs> so... You know, I mean...
0: A, funny, a, funny you don't mean a just, good way to make money. You mean it is well, a, you know, a profitable... way to make yes, money. Yes, it's an right. effective way. Yeah, yeah,
1: not a good way, no. not. You know, it's funny. Uh, another meme that I've been coming across recently, I, I can't remember the specific phrases of it, but it says, I, you know, they say follow the science. I tried to follow the science, but it wasn't there. Then I started following the money. And then uh, I found uh, the, the science. science.
0: Yes, I've seen that and, one too. And
1: that's, gosh, unfortunately, that's really pretty rings pretty true. And I and I hate to say that that's true, but it really seems to be the case when yeah. you follow the money. Where what's going to make the most profit for the pharmaceutical companies? Yeah, that's probably what's going to happen.
0: So, um, let's talk about when this becomes available. Which I don't. I think that's it's really soon.
1: It might even be available now. I'm not okay. sure.
0: I I feel like, do, what ages is this? It- yeah, so that's
1: one thing that is a little bit uh, encouraging is that one of them is only approved for I believe 18 and up and then the other one is only approved for 12 and up. So there's a little bit of shift in the ages, which is better than yeah all ages. But- well, but
0: my concern is <laughs> with that, the myocarditis rates are already highest mm-hmm. in the like 12 to 20 year olds right. So, so if I, we're yeah,
1: I can't remember which one's which. Okay, but, but you're right. I mean, well, and that's again the question about what's our end goal. Why would we be doing this for all you know high school and college students right. when we are seeing and there was a study I think out of I think it was UCLA and Stanford I believe that looked at risk benefit analysis uh, for younger younger people, and the risk appears to be higher than the benefit. Uh, for most of these younger age groups, mm-hmm. and, th- and that was a pretty big study that just came out, I think last week or two weeks ago. So we're seeing that people are at least starting to run the numbers mm-hmm. and doing a you know f- a full analysis. Be like, okay, these are all the serious adverse events. These are all the potential hospitalizations we'd save. You know, what what actually where does the scales end up? Right. And and it's appearing more and more evident that the risk is higher than the benefit for that for the younger for age the younger groups. Younger age group, yeah.
0: But unfortunately, um, I, I, I'm I'm curious to see how many people willingly go and sign up for this. Yeah, I'm wondering if the rates will be very low, like the two to five year old, and even the five Probably. five to eleven is not super yeah. high. What What my biggest concern is um, is the there are still mandates; they still exist. And a lot of them are happening on our college campuses. Mm -hmm. And and of course in healthcare, I'd say those are kind of the two big ones. Mm -hmm. And then of course, like Adam talked about last week, there are still companies because there's things that are tied to federal dollars that are still maintaining there. So we don't know what this might turn into when it comes to mandates. But I think it's important to give an example because I think a lot of people are like, oh, this won't get mandated so in case you didn't know wiggy and i graduated from wake forest university a long time ago and loved our time there yeah, go and deeks. go deeks i just have a very difficult time with just about all of their decisions over the past few years yeah. COVID and beyond beyond COVID. but we won't get into that today and there's been a lot of speculation because our star quarterback was out with a blood clot with their, which there are many athletes that have been out with blood clots. And some people will say, Oh, we're just now paying attention to it, which I would say, no, we have way more than ever before, but that made a lot of people start talking. And I came across this, this on the website. So on top of students that are required to submit every year, They must have a full COVID vaccine and a booster as of right now. So that was up till now. This made my jaw drop and I, while we, and I was super dramatic the other night while Wiggy and I were talking, I think he thought something really terrible happened. I'm just going to read to you from the Our Way Forward website. New requirement this fall. Our public health advisors have recommended Wake Forest require the new bivalent COVID-19 booster when it becomes available to strengthen our community's collective immunity against the virus. The bivalent booster is designed to target both the Omicron variant and the original coronavirus strain in a single shot with greater efficacy. More information will be available regarding this requirement as vaccine availability is determined. Those who receive the currently available booster will still be required to get the new bivalent booster. Mm. Folks, that's a mandate. There ain't no other way to look at it. Mm. And basically, these students are coming back. They've already had to have three shots, and now they're saying, Well, well, but you're gonna have to have a fourth, but we don't know when, how, or why. That's a mandate. That mm. is the this is the definition of a mandate, and this is gonna happen on college campuses everywhere, with some of the least at-risk people that are also the highest at risk for adverse reactions. And this is what we're doing to these kids. So that's why this matters a lot. And again, this is tested on eight mice.
1: Yeah, it, it it doesn't make sense. It's, (laughs) it's unfortunate that that's the direction that our alumni is, is, is heading here, but because it's, again, it's not following the science. You know if we're looking at the risk for this age group college aid students and and the other thing with college aid students they're in a tight proximity that's also higher chance of they've already had it and they've already they've already recovered from it so it is just it's really it's really too bad because there's always there's always nuance with any medical intervention mm-hmm and so saying that all students are required, you're right, that's, that's a mandate, and it doesn't take into any of these considerations. It doesn't take into consideration how their reaction was with the first, second, or th- you know, third shot. It doesn't take into that account because there is a possibility that every time that there is an injection that their reaction is worse. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take into account natural immunity, which, again, we, we have more and more evidence that natural immunity way outperforms. Uh, any vaccine as far as protection goes, uh, it, it doesn't take into account most of these, most of these factors. And so it's, it is just a, I'd say it's a bit of a intellectual laziness to say, well, this is, this is probably what we need to do because otherwise, you know, people will, will be mad, but it's not actually getting truly following the science and not doing what is best for each, each student. That's really not the, not the answer.
0: I think that yeah, there's a lot of questions that we need to be asking, and it's very difficult. I don't have a college student, and I'm glad at this point. Um, and I don't know. I don't know how they are with exemptions, and I'm guessing this is going. This is for employees as well, and so I don't know what that looks like. And this is, of course, one institution of many that has been taking this approach. That whatever the authorities say is what we. Not only encourage, but mandate. And so it should concern us greatly that eight mice, another mandate. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, obviously many of us have the, will have the option whether to take something like this or not, but other people this gets forced upon. And it's, it's incredibly concerning. This is not, medical freedom or autonomy for our college students and yeah. it, it it's just it makes me very concerned for the health of our young generation moving forward because this is a big deal
1: yeah no for sure
0: any other comments on the
1: no there's no nothing else i had to say about the um this new bivalent booster, but I did. I would say this is. There's been a little bit of uh, other research coming out um, on the early treatment with ivermectin uh, that I think is also somewhat uh, vindicating. So there was this this huge study, which is another just example of how the narrative was spun so out of control and spun so backwards that you know early treatment does not work, and the only thing we can do is wait for wait for the vaccine. So there's a huge study out of Brazil, I think over 200,000 people Yes, uh, that were in this study. And this, mm-hmm. was a, this was an independent study as opposed to some of these other studies that were basically funded by the pharmaceutical companies. But this was an independent study, uh, peer-reviewed, looking over 200,000 people, um, I, think, I think over 80,000 cases of, uh, of COVID. And they compared those that were getting uh, early treatment or um, prophylactic therapy with ivermectin comparing to those that don't or didn't and what they found was i think nearly a 100% decrease in uh hospitalizations and a 92% decrease in uh in death yeah. so huge numbers huge difference between the two the two groups and they try to control for as many variables as possible. And like I said, with these numbers, this, that really gives a lot more uh, credibility to the study because this was a very large, very large study um, with trying to control as many variables as possible, which did so again significant benefit from from using ivermectin early on.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting that that follow up I think further vindicates. Ivermectin, I and interestingly, once again, all the big journals suppressed it and said no. And so, it was in a smaller, less recognized journal, yeah. which again, the vast majority of the you know medical field doesn't necessarily read as often, and so it negates the credibility. But that's not because the study's not good. That's because yeah. that's because it doesn't follow the narrative. And so,
1: yeah. anyway,
0: but that's encouraging. And yeah, it's, it is. It's uh, it's 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 encouraging because so much of the suppression of science and discourse has, it's just been very frustrating. And while it feels like this is all late happening, I'm hoping that people, I'm hoping that people recognize and see it. And when next time comes, whatever that looks like, there are more questions asked Mm. sooner. And, we are more willing to have discourse. I don't know that that's going to happen. but
1: I don't know. But I think it comes down to this question, you know, to su- summarize it as far as following the science. So what's being pushed by the experts is a new experimental therapy that was studied on eight mice. Yeah. Compared to, let's just again compare it to that other study we just talked about. Compared to a huge study of over 200,000 people. Which one are you going to choose which I mean which which science are you going to follow right in that case and i'd I'd follow a science a study with lots more people uh, based on an independent uh, investigation
0: yeah, good point yeah all right, thanks you guys for joining us. If you have um, topic suggestions, then you know you can always get those over to us through social media and uh, thank you for listening. We would always uh, love for you to share our podcast and leave a review on your favorite listening platform. Thanks so much.